Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comic Book Commute. This is the podcast you listen to on your commute during my commute. I'm Liam Campos. Let's get on the road. So hot off the press, today's episode will be about Comic-Con 2016 recap. I was just at Comic-Con for the four days and preview night, and it was an amazing time as always. Exhausting, of course, because depending what you do, you're gonna do a lot of walking or a lot of standing. So for this recap, I'll try to remember everything that I did or bought or saw, but of course, there was a lot to experience during Comic-Con. And my experience might not cover every single thing that everyone would want me to cover. I didn't get any exclusives. I didn't see really any celebrities except for one. And that's oftentimes because I didn't stand in line. I'm not going to stand in line for hours or overnight to camp out for the huge exclusives and the reveals and the Hall H madness. I'm not gonna do that. I would rather live and experience Comic-Con because for me, standing in the line for a fleeting little bit of joy is not worth it for me. Now, for a lot of other people, that's what Comic-Con is, but not exactly for me. So here's what I did. I got the four day passes as well as preview night. And Comic-Con has gotten very expensive. I forget how much it I paid, but probably at least $250. Then parking was probably another $100 for the five days. And I got a parking right next door at the Hilton, at the Hilton Bayfront. So it was also a nice view. But that's over $350 for five days. I think, of course, that it's worth it. I've been going to Comic-Con since 1993, and I really enjoy it enough to be going for over 23 years. Let's talk a little bit about what I bought. There was a really interesting booth where they were selling some vintage movie program books. So they don't do it as much anymore, but there used to be these program guides that you would buy about the movie that you're about to watch. And so I think that's interesting. It's from a bygone era. And there was a booth there in the exhibit hall where they were selling uh, those program guides. I saw The Wrath of Khan, so that was Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I saw the first Superman movie. But the ones that I ended up buying were The Secret of Nim, that has a place in my heart. I bought The Secret of Nim program guide. Very cool art. That was a Don Bluth movie, animated movie. Straddling the lines of childhood and adulthood because it can be very dark. And it's full of artwork and behind the scenes information and credits and things. It was cool. I also bought the Heavy Metal program guide. So Heavy Metal magazine has been around since the 70s and they had an animated movie. It was about 1981, uh, maybe. And again, it's in the same vein in that it is behind the scenes, it's artwork, it's insights. I bought those two. I got a little discount. 
And then as I was getting my change back, I saw on the edge of the table, there was also the Lord of the Rings program guide. Now this was the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings from 1979. So if you didn't know, before Peter Jackson took a crack at it, Ralph Bakshi had created an animated Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's a rather cult classic. It's a completely different beast than what Jackson did. It's very interesting to, to see that movie. And so this program guide, again, it's behind the scenes and all of that. Speaking of heavy metal, I was over at the heavy metal booth. They had a variety of issues for sale. And then one of the girls there directed me over to the more vintage heavy metal editions. So I went over to that side and they had some issues from the 90s and the 80s. And I looked at them and I thought, this is some great art. I've read heavy metal on and off throughout the years. I think I had a subscription for a year or two. That was a while ago, 15 years ago at least. And if you don't know, Heavy Metal is an anthology fantasy sci-fi series published. I think it's monthly, it might be bi-monthly. Glossy magazine, lots of great artwork, stories, etc. Some of the big names in fantasy and sci-fi have been featured there. So I was uh, on a nostalgia trip and I was looking at the older ones. So there was a, uh, let's see what years. I got one from 98, 96, and 86. Those were $5 each, I believe. One of them featured art by Richard Corbin. Richard Corbin is one of my favorite artists. His works are just so, so Richard Corbin. They're, they're rendered in an amazing photorealistic yet cartoonish quality. I'm glad I got that issue. The girl then asked if I'd like to see any of the more vintage editions. And I said, yes. So she brought out a box that had some older books. I browsed through there and I wanted to see about the oldest one and they were only $10 each. So the oldest one that I found was from November 1978. At the moment I'm blanking when Heavy Metal was published, first in the US. It was published in, in Europe first, I believe in France, where it was titled something like Metal Roulant, Heavy Metal. And so I got this one from November 78. And it really is of its time, the artwork and the stories and the content. What I also bought at a different booth were some comics, some $2 comics, pretty good condition. Um, this was Incredible Hulk 393, I believe, something like that, 383, around there. And this was the 30th anniversary of the Hulk. 1962 to 1992. So now the Hulk is more than 50 years old, but that was the 30th anniversary. And I remember reading Marvel Comics at that time and seeing all of these 30th anniversary comics. I had the, I was reading Spider-Man at the time, so the 92 Spider-Man anniversary age, 
I remember that. But anyway, this one, since it's the 90s, it had, of course, a gimmick cover. And it had a cool green foil cover. And it was a recreation of the original Hulk number one with Bruce Banner, meek Bruce Banner in the center and Titanic Hulk towering behind him. So it was a good cover swipe. From the 90s, I also got X-Factor, I don't remember the number, but it was part of the Fatal Attractions plot, which is when Magneto rips out the adamantium from Wolverine's bones, spoiler alert. And the gimmick cover at that time was throughout all of the X-Books, so X-Factor, X-Men, Excalibur, etc. They had a cool hologram. The holograms can be very hit or miss, but this one, this series was very good. And I had maybe one or two, and there were about four, maybe five books. They had their own hologram. And so I didn't have this one from X Factor, but now I do, two bucks. I got another X-Men comic. This one was more from the early 80s, probably 84. An early appearance of Rogue. Looked quite different, very short hair, but still had that skunk stripe. Probably X-Men 180-something. They were selling it for two bucks each, so I got enough to spend 10 bucks. I'm blanking on what one of those books that I got was, but I got The Hulk, two X-Mens, I'm, I'm forgetting one. And then, very interestingly, I got a Star Wars magazine. Now, I have to double check if this is US or British version, although I do remember seeing 61, 61P, what is that, 61 quid on the cover. This was issue 64 or so, and it's published weekly every Wednesday. This was from around May 79. So already a couple of years after, a couple of years after A New Hope and uh, issue 64. This is a black and white series. Carmen Infantino was, was doing art on a few features in it. And so I read one, this had uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca and they were on some planet, they were on the run from Jabba. What's fascinating is this is before we saw Jabba on screen on Return of the Jedi, which would be in 83. And no one had seen the test footage from A New Hope that Lucas shot until the special editions. So no one knew what Jabba the Hutt looked like. This Jabba the Hutt is completely different. It's not a slug character, you know, a slug alien. It's a humanoid alien. Although, you know, humanoid, four arms, two legs. Bipedal. And, uh, you know, humanoid, but alien still. Not the slug-like character. Speaking in English, they didn't they didn't subtitle him Hutties. But he's after Han and Chewbacca for dumping their spice cargo again. And they've trapped him in a, in a cave on some planet. And then there's these mineral-eating bugs that are burrowing, burrowing into the cave. And they're besieged by all sides. Very cool art, stark black and white, masterfully rendered. Uh, and then right when it's getting good, it says, see you next week. And it goes on to have a couple more features. And the funny thing is because it, it was published by Marvel, 
it had a, a Watcher story and a Adam Warlock story. So, kind of a ripoff for 61P, a short Star Wars comic and then other Marvel stuff. What else? I also bought some Rick and Morty stuff. There was a booth that was selling Rick and Morty stickers. Uh, I think it was like two for four bucks. I ended up getting four. So I got two of Mr. Meeseeks and one of Rick and one of Morty. Very high quality, cool poses. Then I bought a couple of the Rick and, and then they had uh, some Rick and Morty pins. So I was gonna buy a couple of them. And I went to the counter and started to pay and the girl there said, you know, if you buy our complete set for $30, it's like buying all six of them for the price of five. So I couldn't pass up that deal and that's what I did and it came with all the pins. Sorry, not pins, uh, keychains, Rick and Morty keychains. So it had Rick, it had Morty, it had the head of Morty, the head of Rick in some very funny expressions. It had bird person, full body. It had Mr. Poopy butthole. It had a portal opening up and Rick and Morty jumping through it. The Rick and Morty logo. It's a very cool pin set. I mean, a very cool keychain set. Very high quality, very nice. If you're not into Rick and Morty, you need to get into it. It's one of the best series on TV on Adult Swim. Speaking of Rick and Morty, I met one of the creators of Rick and Morty. Now, I didn't really look to, I wasn't really seeking to find celebrities. People were asking me on Periscope, who did I see? And I'm not really looking for that too much. So this was totally happenstance. I was next door at the, at the Marriott. I was gonna go get something to eat in their cafe. And I'm going up the escalator, and I look over and I see someone that looks like Justin Roiland co-creator of Rick and Morty, along with Dan Harmon. So it was just Justin. Someone was with him, and I thought, huh, who would that be? Uh, is it Ryan Ridley, perhaps? I gotta hear his voice and I'll be sure. So I was trying to get up the courage to ask for a, a photo. And the time was running out because the escalator was going and going. So then I overheard him, and yes, that was the voice of Justin. So that was Justin Roiland right ahead of me. And I thought, I'll never have another opportunity for this. Unless, of course, I stand for five hours in, in, in the line to, to get an autograph. And so, casually, I leaned in and I said, excuse me, Justin. He turned around and I said, may I take your photo? He said, yeah, of course. So really nice, good reaction, cool guy. So I got my, my camera ready, I turned it around and I did a little selfie with Justin. It came out super blurry. And I said, thanks, I love my, my blurry photo, I'll cherish it. And he, and he laughed. And I didn't want to bother for another one and that was perfectly fine. So we got up to the top of the escalators and then uh, he, he took a girl's hand and oh, I guess he was with his girlfriend. So they went off, him and the other guy, and they went off to go get something to eat. And I had my Justin Roiland photo and I shared it on Twitter right away. Very cool. The highlight of Comic-Con. And so that was part of lots and lots and lots of walking 
I didn't put on, I should have put on my step counter and it would show I probably walked like 10 miles. I know it was miles, literally I walked miles. Because I recorded a, a video, it's gonna be up on my YouTube soon. So youtube.com slash vmcomposjr. Search VM Campos on YouTube, but don't go to the other VM Campos. Go to VM Campos JR. You find a lot of Comic Con videos and such. And I'm I'm still prepping it. I should have it done by tonight, Monday the 25th. Um, it's the uh, it's my one long continuous non-stop uh, tour of the Comic Con. Exhibitors Hall, the super crazy packed area. I walked nonstop from row 100, Hall A, to row 5300, Hall G, going up and down every single row. And I shot it in glorious 4K surround sound on my Roxanth stabilizer, camera stabilizer. And so, be on the lookout for that. If you've never been to Comic-Con and want to experience it, here you can look at it. And it took 54 minutes non-stop walking. Well, except for the parts where it really got bunched up and crowded, like near the Walking Dead booth and, and those, in those areas, the Mattel and the Star Wars. It got really crowded in those areas. And besides that, it was non-stop walking as fast as I could. But of course, it's not, not very easy to walk there sometimes. I have these other videos that I've recorded also. I'll be uploading videos about cosplay, other shots of the convention center. I took a bunch of photos of cosplay. All of those are live right now on my Flickr. That's flickr.com slash vmcomposjr. Again, vmcompost was taken, but vmcomposjr is available. Basically, all my social media is vmcompost. Go to vmcampos, that's V-M-C-A-M-P-O-S dot com. You'll see all my social media. Although I'm vmcampos JR on YouTube and Flickr. Now I'm also vmcampos on Periscope and I really recommend you go check out my Periscope because there I, I also Periscope like hours and hours of, I Periscoped hours and hours of, uh, of live Comic-Con. I, I looked at a lot of costumes, I asked for their photos, I looked at comic books. Yes, there's still comic books at Comic-Con, really expensive ones. Uh, I'll give you a little preview, but for example, there was a $40,000 comic book there, like Spider-Man and X-Men and such. So, check out my Periscope. That's another way to see what Comic-Con is like if you can't make it. That's periscope.tv slash vmcampos. Follow me on Periscope. Follow me on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash vmcampos. Lots of Comic-Con stuff to share there. Instagram too. Instagram.com slash vmcampos. So for me, it was more about the experience of walking and living and buying and getting ripped off like on the first day. $12 for a pretzel and a Coke. Well, I was hungry and so okay, $12 I guess. But uh, living and walking and seeing and buying, that's Comic-Con to me. Of course, not to belittle anyone's experience, but for me, standing in line, camping overnight, that's not Comic-Con. That's standing in line. So, 
Come check out the experiences of my Comic Con adventure. Five days in 2016. Glorious, sunny San Diego. I hope to be there for Comic Con 2017, of course. We'll see if the badge gods allow me to get another one for the 24th year. Really, I've got to get in touch with the Comic-Con big ways and tell them, please give me a lifetime pass. I've been going more than half my life to Comic-Con. It's going to be nearly 25 years soon. And if I keep going, I'll keep creating great content about Comic-Con and sharing it with everyone. So I'm at the end of my commute. And I've enjoyed sharing my recollections of Comic-Con. I hope you enjoyed listening. I hope you join us at Comic-Con one day. And uh, maybe I'll run into you there. This has been the Comic Book Commute with VM Campos. Drive safe. Thank you.